Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in another week of In Defense of the Big 12 on the Landry Football Podcast Network. Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. And uh, here to tell you today, BK, that I'm an idiot. I, I guess I don't pay attention to recent history or anything like that. I thought that Oklahoma State would blow the doors off the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. I mean, my God, man, remember? They had all this experience coming back. They saw what previous Big 12 teams did in week Mm -hmm. one. I thought this was going to be a 30-point game. And my God, add OSU to the uh, ever-long list of Big 12 teams that either uh, spit up the bit or or nearly did in uh, week one. Wow. There's some fine print with this one, right? You at least have a caveat to explain your dumbness. Now, I've known you for a long time, man. I thought you were stupid forever, so it has nothing to do (laughs) with what happened in Stillwater on Saturday. But now, all jokes aside, I mean, who knows what happens if Spencer Sanders doesn't get hurt late in the first quarter. Oklahoma State wasn't looking great, right? It was only three to nothing at the time, and you know, the offense hadn't done a whole heck of a lot just yet to where you could say, well, if Spencer Sanders played, then Oklahoma State definitely blows out Tulsa. But because he didn't play for the final three quarters and some change in that game on Saturday, it's hard to really, really judge Oklahoma State. I mean, you'd like to thank the other talent that they have because it wasn't just Spencer Sanders coming back, right? I mean, 10 starters returning on defense, maybe the best running back in college football coming back with Chuba Hubbard, maybe the best wide receiver in the country coming back with Tylen Wallace. You'd have liked to have think, liked to have thought that the other guys could pick up the slack without Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State still could have run away with Tulsa or at least had it be less interesting than what it was on Saturday. But yeah, that was not the case. And after the abysmal opening weekend for the Big 12 last Saturday, uh, this conference didn't do a whole lot to ease anybody's fears this weekend. Dude, they can't block anybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and that's why even if Spencer Sanders plays that entire game, like maybe the score's not 16-7, to 7, but is it really all that much different? Of I, I like What I'm saying is I don't think that that game is just drastically different if Spencer Sanders plays because they can't block anybody. And one thing that I thought was really interesting, I've heard from a few Oklahoma State fans that watch the game, and their opinion is that Chuba Hubbard looked like he wanted to be anywhere else but playing in that football game on Saturday. I don't know if that's what you got from that, but they showed me a couple plays in particular where the effort wasn't just all that great from Chuba Hubbard. I need to go back and watch the football game, I think, to have that opinion myself. But it, it's just interesting that the star 
player for them, the guy that's in the Heisman Trophy conversation, according to Oklahoma State fans, and maybe they had that opinion of him, a negative opinion of him, after everything that happened this offseason, it's interesting that the thought was, yeah, he didn't really care all that much. Well, you brought it up last week, right? I mean, what what's the situation going to be if Oklahoma State doesn't play well? Because we know Chuba Hubbard was the most vocal against Mike Gundy for the OAN situation that took place this offseason. So, you know, after that went down, was there any regret from Chuba Hubbard to not enter the NFL draft after last offseason, which I thought he should have done. Now it's his choice. He can make whatever decision he wants. And as a huge college football fan, I'm always happy when guys pass up the NFL to come back to college football because that helps make uh, this sport better, which I love. But, you know, after that went down this offseason, was there any regrets uh, with Chuba Hubbard? And maybe there was a little bit of a back lack of buy-in, whether it was Mike Gundy-related, whether it was COVID-related, who knows? So maybe you were on to something there. I didn't think it'd be a big deal, but that's obviously going to be a storyline to watch. But I think the bigger issue is Oklahoma State's offensive line is not very good. And they did have two expected starters opt out due to COVID or, well, hell, they actually transferred. They put their name in the transfer portal. So I don't know if you can call I think they got kicked out. off the team is what happened. There that's you right. go. Yeah. So, so that happened, right? Anytime you lose a couple of offensive linemen a couple of weeks before the season starts – that could be a problem as well. So maybe a combination of things. You're right. The offensive line did not look good on Saturday. And if you can't impose your will against Tulsa, which I know Tulsa is a decent program, but you know they're they're not to the likes of some of this team, some of the teams in this conference. If you can't dominate at the line of scrimmage against Tulsa, then that is not a good recipe for success against the Big Twelve. So yeah, I mean I'm going to have to go back and rewatch and kind of check the effort level and compare it to last year's Chuba Hubbard. But he didn't look the same runner to me. And uh, Oklahoma State's offensive line is something to monitor moving forward for sure. Yeah, and and a lot of like again, Tulsa had so many chances to win that football game. Yeah. They they miss a field goal late in the fourth quarter. It's a lot of times when you see a non-power five team play with and almost beat a top fifteen team in college football, you say, "Wow, those guys played their ass off." Like, I don't think Tulsa's all that well coached. After watching that game, I don't think Tulsa's the best coach team in America. And I don't think that they played all that well either. So so that's got to be really worrisome for Oklahoma State. I doubt that we find out today from Mike Gundy what the injury situation looks like from Spencer Sanders. He kind of led us all to believe after the game that it wasn't that serious, but we'll see. But it's it would be very worrisome that Tulsa looks like a very middle-of-the-road team in the American, and they had ample opportunities to beat you if maybe they don't beat themselves late in the fourth quarter with all those penalties. Oh, that's a great point, right? It's not like Tulsa played their best game ever. They they played a C plus B minus caliber game. I'll give their defense some credit. They showed out, but you know, Tulsa generally doesn't have an issue putting up points. And the fact that they only put up seven is a huge problem. So yeah, if they play a quality game, then they probably steal a victory in Stillwater on Saturday. And I will say this, we do have a little bit of an update in regards to Spencer Sanders. Uh, I guess from Mike Gundy's conference call earlier today with media around the Big 12, he said, quote, we booted him up. We'll take it off on Tuesday and then put him out there Wednesday and go from there, end Hmm. quote. So Gundy was asked about Sanders' status for this Saturday's conference opener against West Virginia, and that's what he said. So he's in a boot right now. They're going to take the boot off tomorrow. They're going to try to have him practice on Wednesday and go from there. So not season ending, 
at least right now, which is a great thing, right? It doesn't seem too serious. If the fact that they're the fact that they're going to try to have Spencer Sanders practice this week, that means there's a chance that this thing isn't that big of a deal. But it did look ankle-like to me, and if it is an ankle sprain, those things tend to linger. So that will be something to watch. And we know one of the things that makes Spencer Sanders such a weapon is his ability to run. Well, if you take away his dual threat ability or at least limit his dual threat ability a little bit, then that makes Oklahoma State's offense that much worse. So, yeah, something to monitor for sure. I'll give credit to the freshman Illingworth. I mean, he came in and and did a heck of a job. It looked like a different team once he went in the game. Yeah, I mean, Bullock just couldn't get the job done. The first backup off the bench for OSU, they, they were lethargic. They were stagnant. They were, I mean, probably harsher words should be used than that uh, to describe what that Oklahoma State offense looked like with Ethan Bullock on the field. But yeah, Illingworth came in, was four or five, made a couple of big time throws, his first pass down the field to Tylen Wallace. I mean, that's all you have to do with that guy, right? Just throw it up, throw it in his vicinity, and he's going to come down and make a play. Illingworth came in and looked really, really solid. I know OSU fans are excited about his future. They were hoping to not see it on Saturday, right? They were hoping to maybe wait uh, a year or two before they really had to see that guy. But he came out and looked okay. So uh, I, I would guess he would be the guy this weekend if Spencer Sanders can't no go. Doubt. I mean, how how could you realistically throw in? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw, what, three quarters of their supposed backup quarterback and what that was. The team didn't respond. He just wasn't ready. I mean, yeah, you'd have – if you didn't throw out Illingworth, I think the fans – would and should revolt in Stillwater. Yeah, and I think the teammates, right, uh, the rest of the guys in that locker room would probably be pretty pissed too after what those two QBs look like. I mean, they they saw it for themselves. So, yeah, good on Illingworth, made a couple of big plays, uh, a couple of big scoring drives for Oklahoma State to put that game away and to prevent that catastrophic defeat against Tulsa. But, yeah, I mean, the, you know, what happens if this is a lingering long-term injury for Spencer Sanders and he does have to miss a couple of weeks and Oklahoma State loses a couple of games early on in conference play. I mean, everyone's talking about this team as a potential conference championship contender. They were picked to finish second by the media in this league. Uh, I think you and I aren't as high on Spencer Sanders as a lot of folks out there are. But, man, yeah. if you take Spencer Sanders out, I'm not sure you could throw Oklahoma State in that conversation anymore. Oh, I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that you can. And we're going to spend this show trying to figure out who the third-best team in the conference is. I just texted Chris Landry. Um, we'll see what he says on that because I trust his opinion. But you you brought up a you brought up a interesting question or statement, I guess, about if Spencer Sanders isn't fully able to run. Like, what does Spencer Sanders look like as a pocket passer with an offensive line that can't block? And oh, yeah. by the way, I know West Virginia may not be that great this year. They got a couple players, the Seals brothers, up front on the defense that can really get after things. You know, yeah, that's a great. So point. I just it's not just Spencer Sanders being able to play the next couple weeks. It's Spencer Sanders being able to play and being his 100% self running around and making plays. Because, yeah, if he's just a pocket passer, then they're they're in a whole lot of trouble, man. Yeah, you know, you don't want to put too much stock into one game, but if Chuba Hubbard is going to look like what he looked like on Saturday and not 2019 Chuba Hubbard, then that makes things even tougher for a injury-hampered Spencer Sanders. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he's not a great just stand in the pocket and beat you with his arm type of quarterback just yet. Maybe he can be that down the road, uh, but we didn't see that uh, with enough consistency last year from Spencer Sanders. So, yeah, you take away his ability to run and, hell, just his ability to extend plays, uh, that's going to make life very, very tough against Oklahoma State. And you're right. I mean, what expectations for West Virginia aren't that high this year. They did look really good against Eastern Kentucky 
in their one non-conference game. But if there is a strength for the Mountaineers this year in year two under Neil Brown, it is that pass rush with the Stills brothers. And uh, yeah, they could make life miserable for Oklahoma State on Saturday if that offensive line doesn't turn the page and figure some things out. By the way, if you're watching us on Twitch, join us in the comments section. You got any thoughts on who the third best team is in the conference? Is Oklahoma State in trouble? Why isn't Brad wearing the awesome hat that he was wearing on Thursday? <laughs> Dude, that was like, at, at first when I saw you, I was like, okay, that's an interesting look. But I think that it really grew on me throughout that episode on Thursday. So, I, I don't know. I appreciate that. I've got it within arm's reach. You know, we might uh, we might call in the hook, go with the reliever here for the second half of this podcast and switch from the the golf cap to the cowboy hat to the Stetson open road. I wasn't sure if I wanted to start off the week that extremely, but uh, we might have to, man, the way this conference is looking. They, they need a shot in the arm and maybe the cowboy hat can do that. By the way, go check out Chris Landry, uh, chrislandryfootball.com or Landry got. LandryFootball.com. And go, go check that out. All right. High school, college, great NFL slate yesterday. Go Dallas Cowboys. BK's got a shirt on today. How about that comeback yesterday? Man. If you love football, and I'm going to guess that you probably do if you're watching or listening to this podcast, LandryFootball.com is, uh, is, is where you need to go for, for all things football for sure. And speaking of comment section, we've already got one, and it is to my question of who is the third best team in the conference. This comment says, I still think it's OSU. And I guess I'm ready to say that still right now. And and I texted Chris Landry on this too. I asked him, hey, question for the show, who's the third best team in the conference? Chris Landry said, until I can see TCU and West Virginia more on tape, I'm not sure. Would have to go with Oklahoma State for now, but not enough sample size. Man, I mean, I, I don't think it's a good thing for this league that TCU and West Virginia are the teams that you're throwing into the discussion. Yeah, the third best teams in this conference. I mean, maybe TCU could have been that if they had their quarterback, right? If Max Duggan wasn't out for the year, maybe TCU could have been a dark horse team to maybe be the third best team in this league. But the fact that they don't have Duggan makes me think that they're not going to be in that conversation, and we just haven't seen them yet, so we really don't know at this point. But they also went 5-7 and seven a year ago, so – Anytime you're picking a five and seven team from the previous year to be the third best team in your league, that is a scary sight, despite what else is going on in Fort Worth. Now, West Virginia, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not quite ready to go there just yet. Uh, I, I know they look very impressive in their non-conference game, but dude, Eastern Kentucky, I mean, they lose to some Texas high school football teams. Like they lost to Marshall 59 to nothing. So West Virginia beating them 56 to 10, I think was the final score in that one. That does absolutely nothing for me. So I would still go with Oklahoma State as of right now. I know Iowa State was picked to finish fourth. Some people thought they were the trendy pick, but the one game we saw from them was pretty terrible. So I'm not sure you can throw them into that discussion right now. So I would still go with Oklahoma State. But man, I you know after what we saw on Saturday, I don't know how you can feel too great about that. Yeah, so I'll go with OSU as well, and here's why: because it wasn't all bad for the Cowboys. I mean, offensively, it was it was pretty bad when you only put up 16 points on Tulsa. But let's also take in consideration how well their defense played. Yeah. Man, I mean, th this is a defense coming back with a whole lot of experience. And hey, I I'm not trying to sell you that. Tulsa is as good offensively as Oklahoma or Texas or some of the better offenses in the Big 12, but Zach Smith's a pretty good quarterback for Tulsa. They, they have a decent little offense up there, and, and not only that, it's their offense was so bad the first three quarters, kind of put their defense in tough spots, you know? 
They're they're going three and out. They're giving Tulsa relatively good field position throughout the entire game. So the fact that under those circumstances, that the Oklahoma State defense only surrendered seven points, I think is is something that needs to be taken away from that game. Um, and probably the reason why I still have them at third in the conference right now. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, last year, Tulsa averaged 31 points per game on offense. Now, once again, they're playing in the American. They're not playing in a Power 5 conference, but still, and Tulsa put up 21 points on Oklahoma State last year when these two teams met. That would have been enough to get a victory this year. So, yeah, I mean, we we talked about it on the show. You know, Oklahoma State, they've got 10 returning starters on defense. That's great, but what does that mean? It's not like Oklahoma State's defense was very good last year. So do they just have 10 mediocre guys coming back? Or can these guys actually take a step uh, and be really, really good for Oklahoma State? They showed out on Saturday. I know a lot of people around the country aren't going to be very impressed. Like, ah, congrats, you held Tulsa to seven points. Uh, Let's wait till you play a real team. But I think that is a positive uh, to take away from Oklahoma State. If their defense didn't do what they did on Saturday, then they probably lose that game. And we've got even more questions about them and about this league as a whole. Keep those comments coming. We love it. We'll answer all the questions you have. Here's another one from Harrison Adam 12. Agree with not seeing TCU yet, but defense and running game will be good. Offense isn't looking good from other teams besides the top two, so the defense could carry. Um, I'll just tell you this. I think that there's a chance, and a better chance than maybe most people think, TCU could have Max Duggan this weekend playing quarterback. Yeah. 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 Can you uh, reveal any more? I don't want to have you. I just heard. I just heard that he's been like practicing, and like there is a relatively good chance that he starts for TCU on Saturday. Like I know that that's surprising because it was felt at the time of that news, the pre-existing heart condition he had, that his career may be over. But doesn't necessarily sound like that's going to be the case moving forward. So I my thoughts on TCU change pretty significantly if Max Duggan's able to play this year. Like, not only that, like, if Max Duggan is better than he was a year ago and builds on from what he had last year, like, I think I'd be willing to put TCU, like, definitely in the top four of this conference, but maybe willing to have conversations about them making the Big 12 championship game. That's shocking to me, right? That's the first I've heard of this potential news that Max Duggan could be good to go this weekend for TCU. That would be huge for the Horned Frogs. And yeah, I think I was higher on TCU than a lot of folks out there going into this season. Look, Gary Patterson teams, when they're down, which isn't very often, they're not down for long. And the last two times the Horned Frogs have gone below 500 in the Gary Patterson era, they bounced back and won double-digit games the next year. So I thought TCU had a shot. I mean, it was very reliant on Max Duggan. Not only was he going to play, but also could he take that step, right? Last year, way too inconsistent, too many turnovers. Uh, The completion percentage was 53. That's not nearly good enough to get it done and have you competing for a conference championship game. But I figured, all right, just because of the track record of TCU, that, uh, yeah, they'd be a much improved team this year and maybe had a shot to uh, to be a contender for the Big 12 championship game. And I kind of threw that all out the window once the original Max Duggan news dropped because you're right. I mean, forget season ending. I thought this was career ending type stuff yeah. for Max Duggan. And the fact that he might not even miss a game is uh, is pretty crazy. And that'll be a controversial decision for a lot of folks out there, I am sure. But that would be huge for TCU. And yeah, maybe that would throw them into that conversation for the third best team 
in this conference because I agree with what Harrison said in the comments, right? I mean, the defense for TCU is always really, really good. They've got maybe the best safety duo in the country with Morrigan Washington. Garrett Wallow's a stud at linebacker. And, and Gary Patterson, I mean, regardless of some losses that they have, they always find a way to be a really, really good defense and one of the best in this league. So I don't think that's going to change. And then at running back, you know, you lose Jed Anderson, you lose Shea Olanalua, you lose some guys, but they've got some talented pieces there. Of course, Zachary Evans, uh, the kid out of Houston, out of Galena Park, North Shore. Some some sites had him as the number one running back recruit in the country. He's got some baggage with him, but by all accounts, he's done everything right since getting to Fort Worth. That guy on the field is an incredible impact talent. And then Darwin Barlow and DeMarco Foster. I mean, they've got some pieces in the background, too. So the running game and the defense should be pretty solid for TCU. If Max Duggan can take the step, number one, if he can play, but if he can take that step, then yeah, TCU can be that third best team and maybe can crash the conference title party at the end of the year. Yeah, so TCU all of a sudden, not Iowa State and maybe not Oklahoma State, we'll see. TCU becomes the interesting team in the conference now. Now, just if if Max Duggan is back, and again, I think that there's a pretty good chance that he's going to play this weekend. If not this weekend, then certainly in the month of October. But that doesn't necessarily mean all of a sudden that this TCU offense is just back and it's ready to go. Because Max Duggan had his issues last year. I mean, he was very turnover prone a year ago. I mean, they're just interesting to me from the stance that they didn't know who their quarterback was going to be. Like, I heard the transfer from Georgia had been out like the previous two weeks and hadn't been practicing. Like, TCU was at a point not too long ago where they didn't even know who their starting quarterback was going to be for the Iowa State game. But... Max Duggan has to take that next step and has to do a better job of taking care of the football because he had some really, really, really bad games last year uh, through the air. Oh, no question. No question. I mean, just because he plays, if he plays, that doesn't automatically make TCU uh, uh, one of the favorites or the favorite to win this league or anything like that. He's got to be better. But, man, he was a highly touted recruit. And at times last year, And hell, as a guy in Austin, Texas, a guy who covers the Texas Longhorns, I saw it firsthand when TCU beat Texas a year ago. He made some next-level type of throws. The consistency is just the issue. The arm talent is there. He's also a threat to take off and pick up yards with his legs. But, yeah, the consistency, the turnover issues, those have to improve mightily for TCU to take that step. But, yeah, I sure as hell feel a lot better about their chances if he is playing versus whatever they have behind him because you're right. Yeah, we haven't seen much of Matthew Baldwin – uh, I'm not sure what Stefan Brown is, the Juco kid. I mean, I'm just not sure what they have. I don't think TCU fans are sure what they have at quarterback if it's not Max Duggan. So, uh, man, that's a huge, huge storyline to look out for this weekend or this week leading up to this weekend as TCU gets set to take on Iowa State to open up their conference. Hey, uh, keep those comments coming if it's your first time joining us. We are here every Monday and Thursday at 10 a.m., 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., Central time, of course, the best time zone that there is. And we talk exclusively, well, almost exclusively, Big 12 football on this channel. So check us out every Monday and Thursday, 10 a.m. Central to 11 a.m. Central. Happy to answer uh, any of the comments that you have. Let's keep those rolling once again and go check out LandryFootball.com for all your high school, NFL, college, free agency, everything that you got going on. It was an awesome weekend in the NFL. Go check out LandryFootball.com throughout this week. Um, we, we need to address anything else from this past week or, or you want to look forward to this weekend? Uh, I mean, you want to hit the Baylor situation real quick. I think everybody knows that their yeah. game against Houston that was supposed to take place on Saturday was postponed due to COVID-19 issues. 
Uh, I've got a quote here, if I can pull it up, from uh, from Mac Rhodes, who's the AD at Baylor. He said, quote, the loss of this game is a devastating blow, but in the interest of the health and safety of our student-athletes, we believe we made the necessary decision. We are incredibly disappointed with the continued delay to start our season and empathize with our student-athletes, fans, coaches, and administrative staff. Huge bummer for Baylor fans, man, and for Houston fans, right? I mean, both yeah. of those teams have had a couple of games canceled at this point. They both thought they were opening up last week, and it didn't happen due to COVID concerns. Uh, for Baylor, it was because of Louisiana Tech, right? Their scheduled opponent due to Hurricane Laura coming in and having uh, forcing some players to disperse and leave. They picked up COVID while they were away from their program. So that was a bummer for Baylor. Now they don't get a non-conference game at all. I mean, maybe it'll happen at some point later this season, but they're going to open up uh, this weekend with conference play. So yeah, a huge bummer. And, you know, I, I don't know how much you can like blame the big 12 as a whole for this, but another bad look for the big 12, which is a conference that, you know, went, went what five and three in mm-hmm. non-conference games. And they have uh, two of their wins were Texas tech beating Houston Baptist by two as a 40 point favorite. And then Oklahoma state surviving Tulsa this past weekend. And you've got a bunch of games postponed, and canceled due to COVID. You've got two teams that haven't even played yet with TCU and Baylor. Uh, Just not a great start to the year for the Big 12. And look, we knew COVID was something that we're going to have to monitor all year long, but it has really hit this conference more than it has hit a lot of conferences around this sport. Here's my question, because the report was, because we didn't find out until Friday afternoon, right, that Baylor and Houston was postponed. But the report was it was like a late-week situation where one of Baylor's position groups all of a sudden like just had a bunch of cases. Like before I go on, is is that kind of to your understanding what happened? That's what I heard too. Mm -hmm. So if it happened late in the week and like the two week thing is like, how is Baylor going to play Kansas this week? If they had a position group devastated by COVID cases late last week, are they going to be able to turn around and play this Saturday? It's a great question, right? And everybody knows that the Big 12 Conference, four conference games, has the 53-man rule. But it's not just that, right? You have to have enough players at each position group to be eligible to play. So I think it's like seven offensive linemen have to be good to go. And you've got to have four interior defensive linemen that have to be good to go. So it's not just uh, any 53 that you have. As long as they're healthy, as long as they're COVID-free, then you're going to have to play. Now it's kind of position group by position group related as well. And I think the majority of postponements or cancellations that we've seen all across college football have been because of that, right? It's not because, oh, the entire team just has a ridiculous number of positive tests. It's because a certain position group has been pretty close, if not fully wiped out due to COVID-19 and due to an outbreak there. So yeah, that's a great question. I mean, as of right now, that game is still on, to my knowledge. Baylor and Kansas this Saturday night in Waco, but I don't know exactly if that's feasible or if that's possible and what the expected recovery time is for those guys who I assume are quarantining right now. Let, let's not kid ourselves. Baylor's playing Kansas this weekend, so they'll be like, oh, no, um, all good. We just moved one of our wide receivers to defensive line, and we're going to be able to play this week. Yeah, don't worry. He's also, yeah, I know he's six foot one. 180 pounds, but he's going to play defensive line this week because we're playing Kansas. Like Baylor's going to do everything to get that KU game in on Saturday. I can assure you that. Yeah, they they probably should, right? I mean, that's uh, Kansas is more of a cupcake than most of the non-conference teams this league scheduled, and they were all supposed to be cupcakes. So, yeah, I mean, if you are going to be shorthanded against any team in this league, you want it to be against Kansas. And if you are going to be like Baylor, right, where you haven't played a game yet, 
and you don't know what you have and you've got to open up with league play to start the year, then you want to open up with Kansas at home. That's yeah. a best case scenario for a program that's gone through a lot of worst case scenarios over the past month. Uh, before we start to take a peek at what's coming up this next Saturday, we got another comment. I think that's from AJ there. Uh, if a game is postponed during conference play and can't be rescheduled, does the team who doesn't meet the player requirements forfeit? That's how the ACC is doing it. I didn't think that that was the case for the Big 12. Um, maybe your understanding is a little bit different, but I I don't think that that's the case for, for this conference. No, that's not the case as of right now, right? And, and you've got a few built-in open weeks for this league this year, including one for the Big 12 championship game, right? There's no concrete date for the conference title game just yet. You've got an or, so you've got an extra week buffer just in case you have to reschedule one of these games due to COVID-19. So as of right now, no, uh, the plan is not to forfeit. Whoever has more positive COVID tests has to forfeit. That is not the plan for the Big 12. They would try to find an open date for both teams and shift stuff to, stuff around if need be to make sure that game is played and to make sure everybody gets their nine league games in this year, which I agree with. I think that's the right way to get it done. You want as even as level of a playing field as you could possibly can. And the best way to do that is to make sure everybody plays everybody. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the comment, AJ. I think that's AJ, right? You think that's that's pronounced right there? What do you think? Yeah, AJ Rana or Ajrana. Or- we'll just we'll just call it we'll just call him 44. How about that? <laughs> four four. I like that. I'm in on that. It's nice like we're watching 44. Good stuff right there. What yeah, do you it's like we're watching film. We don't care about anyone's <laughs> names. We just care about what numbers they are. So uh, we'll go with that. I like it. Uh, a couple big point spreads in the conference this weekend. Big 12 play set to get underway on Saturday. OU minus 28 and a half at home over Kansas State. Yikes. And I know K-State looked bad and OU looked really good on Saturday. I But I do worry, man. I do worry about a, a young football team with a young quarterback and everyone telling them how good they are, right? Oh, my gosh. Spencer Rattler is the next. He's the next star. Oh, this team isn't going to miss a beat. They're back in the playoff once again. Like Nick Saban calls it rat poison. Jalen Hurts called it rat poison last year in Norman. Yep. But it is a real thing. Like I'm not worried about OU losing to Kansas State on Saturday, but – 28 and a half points, man. That's that's a ton for a team that beat you last year. That's a lot of points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you said it right there. K-State got the better of Oklahoma, and they were dominant at times in that game last year in Manhattan. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we know what K-State looked like last weekend, right, losing to Arkansas State. That was a huge bummer. And, look, K-State had a ton of roster turnover. I know they had their quarterback back and Skylar Thompson, which is very important, but they lost all five offensive linemen. That was the biggest question for the Purple Cats going into the year. Right? How are they going to look in the trenches? Because when you think K-State football, and a lot of this has to do with Bill Snyder for sure, but we kind of saw it from Chris Kleiman last year in year one, and I think we saw this from Chris Kleiman at North Dakota State as well, if you can try to translate what happened there to what's going to happen in Manhattan. But you think of winning the battles in the trenches. You think of fundamentals. You think of the big uglies up front dominating at the lines of scrimmage. And that did not happen for K-State last weekend. I mean, they got physically dominated by Arkansas State. Uh, I know Oklahoma has some turnover as well, and their defensive line's a little bit shorthanded due to some opt-outs and due to some suspensions. But Oklahoma State is a serious step up in talents uh, than what Arkansas State was last weekend. So, yeah, uh, K-State better be ready to go. I think this line is big. I think it's a little bit too big. But would I be shocked if Oklahoma were to win this game by four touchdowns? No, probably not. You know they're out for revenge after what happened last year. 
And, uh, yeah, with the way these teams look like in week one, I, I understand Oklahoma being a pretty heavy favorite. Yeah, I would uh... – I, I like OU to win this game pretty heavily. Is it to the 28-and-a-half-point number? Uh, let me get back to you on Thursday and see where the line is still at. But, okay. I would, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if OU won this game by 31 points. Well, from what I'm looking at right now, the line actually opened at 27-and-a-half, and it's already been bought up to 28-and-a-half. <laughs> so the public, the money is already going in on the Sooners, and they're like you. They think this game could get out of hand uh, relatively quickly on Saturday. Tech goes, or uh, excuse me, Texas goes out to Lubbock to play Tech. UT has not lost in Lubbock since Blake Gideon dropped the easiest yeah. interception of all time. Come on, man! I was having a good start to the week. There's no need to bring that up. But you have to admit it was the yeah. easiest interception of all time. Blake yeah. Gideon, good player. How did he drop that? Oh, right. I mean it, the 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 two play sequence, right? Not only the drop Blake Gideon pick, but you think of the actual touchdown itself, and. You know, Michael Crabtree was double teamed by Curtis Brown and Earl Thomas, like two very, very good college players. And you're talking about a potential NFL Hall of Famer in Earl Thomas. Like the coverage call was perfect for that play. And Michael Crabtree just did Michael Crabtree things. I mean, Texas whiffed on the tackle near the sideline. They had two guys there. They both whiffed and Michael Crabtree did what he did and scored that touchdown. I mean, that's still... They, they talk about that play, and they play that play at Jones AT&T Stadium all the time. That's like their most significant play in program history, and they didn't even make the conference championship that year. But, do, they uh, have another play? do they have another significant play that's, in program history? No, that's fair. I guess I guess when you have no championships, right, that's, uh, that's what you got to point to, hmm. stuff like that. Look, it was a massive win. It was a massive play. But your point stands. I mean, Texas Tech has had the better. They've gotten the better of Texas a couple of times in Austin since then. But it's been since 2008, that Crabtree game, since the Red Raiders have been able to beat the Longhorns in Lubbock. Uh, By the way, Michael Crabtree last week was inducted into the Texas Tech Ring of Honor. I think Ring of Honor could mean a couple things out there in Lubbock. That's a Raider-ass joke if nobody picked up (laughs) on that one right there. But uh, congratulations to Michael Crabtree. He is uh, among the best ever. That is played in Lubbock, Texas, but I don't expect some Michael Crabtree moment to happen uh, this Saturday in Lubbock. Texas is a big favorite for a reason. I think they go out there and pound them. You're telling me Texas Tech had the opportunity. Oh, no, it's actually going to happen this weekend, Tyler. It is going to happen during the Texas game. I was going to say, you're telling me that Texas Tech has the opportunity to induct Michael Crabtree into their ring of honor while they're playing Texas, but they chose not to do it. They chose to do it during the Houston Baptist game or just during some random weekday or weekend day. No, nah, of course they're going to do it this Saturday during the Texas game. That's so fitting and that's so on brand for Texas Tech, but it's probably the right move there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about it with Oklahoma and Kansas State, right? I mean, two teams that just look completely complete opposites in week one. That's Texas and Texas Tech. Texas took care of business as a 40-plus point favorite against UTEP, 59-3. to They were dominant against the Miners in all three phases. And then Texas Tech, as a 40-point favorite at home against Houston Baptist, oh, they won by two, and they were lucky to win by two, right? I mean, Houston Baptist had a couple of possessions inside the 10-yard line where they didn't score any points. And obviously, they had a two-point conversion to tie the game with just over three minutes to go, and they didn't convert. So the Red Raiders... Uh, escaped with a victory in their non-conference game. They looked about as bad as you could possibly look, giving up 600 yards of offense to FCS Houston Baptist. Uh, Yeah, I feel pretty good about Texas's chances, especially considering 
that uh, there won't be a full crowd in Lubbock, number one. Also, this won't be a night game. Weird stuff sometimes tend to happen in Lubbock at night. This is a 2.30 kick on Saturday. So uh, some of the factors that could be there when these two teams meet won't be there on Saturday. I think Texas will uh, will take care of business. So Texas, I mean, if they're going to induct Crabtree in the ring of honor on Saturday against Texas, like that's cool, whatever. If the Horns have a chance to do it, they got to run up the score. Like you've got to recreate the video or the GIF, whatever, of that guy when they're playing OSU in 2011, and it's like the score's like 66 to six, and he's just like, yeah, <laughs> like that. You gotta, you gotta That's recreate. Awesome. I love that guy. Whoever that guy is, that uh, that is incredible. Anybody who's willing to tough that out and stay all 60 minutes when the scoreboard looks like that, uh, that's a pretty damn good fan. And also to support your team like that, going guns up, love to see it. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that will be the case for Texas on Saturday. You know, I hopefully the Longhorns. I don't think this is going to happen. I think it's going to be interesting enough to where Texas won't be able to put their backups in. But man, that'll be something to watch, right? If Texas does have the chance to put their backups in in the fourth quarter against Texas Tech, do they do that or do they keep Sam Ellinger and the ones out there? to uh, try to run up the score a little bit. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, it is Tom Herman we're talking about, uh, and he's got a little bit of a brash personality, so I, I wouldn't put that beyond him, but I don't think that would be uh, the case on Saturday. I, I will say, look, last year Texas took care of Texas Tech pretty handily. 49-24 to 24 was the final, but the last time they played in Lubbock it was a very interesting game. It was a Jet Duffy game for the Red Raiders. Texas was up big going into the fourth quarter, but Texas Tech, I think, came back from 17 down in that fourth quarter. They they tied the game, uh, and Texas needed a game-winning touchdown with under 30 seconds to go to beat Texas Tech in that one. So, look, I, look very I, similar to that Crabtree play. Yeah, very similar, right? Same end zone, same corner, yeah. and with a broken tackle right there. That was a little Jordan Humphrey making that play. So, yeah, that one felt pretty good for Texas fans for sure. I, I think this one could be interesting. I think Texas Tech is – you know they, they can't look as bad as they did against Houston Baptist, but obviously it's a major step up in opponent going from Houston Baptist to Texas. So uh, they better have buttoned some things up and figured some things out over these two weeks if they want to have any chance to upset the Horns on Saturday. I, I do hear a lot of people say, and I've said it myself before, it's like, yeah, crazy things do happen in Lubbock. But the more I think about it, it's like, well, do they? Like, they haven't beaten Texas and Lubbock since 08. They haven't beaten OU in Lubbock since 09. So who have they who have they really beat at home in the past 10 years? That's been like some sort of a big win. It's a good point. Well, sometimes crazy things doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> you winning games, right? Yeah, okay, there you go. Like it, it, well, it crazy can... things always happen in the stands there. Yeah, but on in the field, yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, maybe that's uh, that's what it has to do with. No, that's a that's a great question. I mean, last year they beat Oklahoma State at home, but you know, yeah. it was a seven. It was a you know decent Oklahoma State team last year, and uh, I don't know. I mean, they've had some crazy finishes at home over the years, but no, you're right. I mean, they haven't beaten the two biggest dogs in this league. I mean, even when Texas, considering how down Texas has been, the fact that they haven't been able to beat the Horns at home in the last decade. Uh, yeah, the crazy things happen in Lubbock may, might be a little bit overblown. You may be onto something there. I think the most interesting game in the conference is Iowa State and TCU. Iowa State's an early three-and-a-half-point favorite on that. That's a 12-30 kick. And if Iowa State loses, we're going to set the sails on them being any good this year and competing for a Big 12 championship. See you later, Iowa State. You're 0-2. 
Happy to know you. We'll see you next year with all the other uh, with more preseason hype that you get. And if Iowa State wins, it's like, hey, all right, let's let's start talking about the Cyclones again, especially if they can beat Oklahoma. So this is kind of like Iowa State and TCU. Maybe they're in the we kind of think about them similar talent wise right now. But whoever wins this game, it's like, okay, let's have a conversation about them. Maybe making it to Arlington. The other one, it's like, eh, okay, we'll we'll see you next year. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great way to look at this game, right? You don't want to put too much stock into a conference opener, but this sort of feels like a contender versus pretender type game, right? The winner of this game, hey, they've got a shot to crash the party in Arlington at the end of the year. The loser, once again, it's only one game, but it's like, well, if you can't beat that team, then how the hell are you going to beat these other teams? So I'm with you. And boy, the line movement on this. I mean, we're still five days away from kickoff, so a lot can change with the Vegas line, and maybe we'll find out more about Max Duggan, whether or not he will be good to go for the Horn Frogs on Saturday. That obviously makes a huge difference in my expectations for this game. Uh, but it opened with Iowa State as a two-point road favorite, and now the line is already up to five in favor of the Cyclones. So early money is coming in on Iowa State, despite how bad they looked against Louisiana last week and how about louisiana against georgia state on saturday i'm gonna talk about something that made the conference look even worse right i mean oklahoma state was the only team that played in this league this weekend they didn't look great against tulsa then you've got louisiana after dominating iowa state going to overtime against georgia state uh not ideal there but yeah i mean i i think this is a game that iowa state should win uh especially with the non-full house at tcu especially with the uncertainty with max duggan going into this game on Saturday, but man, I mean, they looked uh, about as bad as you could possibly look. And this game still is in the month of September, Tyler and Iowa state in the Matt Campbell era is five and 11 in the month of September. And I'm pretty sure they're zero and nine against power five teams in the month of September. So this would be something different, something they've never done in the Matt Campbell era. That's beating a power five team in this month. So it would be a little bit of a change of history if they were able to get this done but I'm with you, man. I mean, if Iowa State falls to 0-2, I know it's only 0-1 in conference play, and that Raging Cajun game has no bearing on uh, the Big 12 standings. But, man, I, I don't know how you could pick them to really get out of that hole and, and to make it to Arlington if they can't beat either Louisiana or TCU. Hey, we got about 15 minutes left um, in this episode, so if you've got more comments, you've got more questions, fill up the comments section. We'll be happy to uh, discuss those. I mean, I think Iowa State and TCU is the most interesting game in the league this week. If if not that, it's got to be West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Who starts a quarterback for OSU this weekend? Does West Virginia up front handle the Oklahoma State offensive line? The spread right now is at eight and a half, and I don't know, man. I, I expect Oklahoma State to win by a couple touchdowns, but that's that's probably it's hard of me. It's hard for me to say, seeing as what they just did a couple days ago against Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, I think my opinion. I, I think Oklahoma State's going to win this game either way. But in terms of covering the spread, like if Spencer Sanders is healthy and he looks relatively close to a hundred percent, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent. But if he looks like the Spencer Sanders we saw last year, or close enough to it, then I think Oklahoma State's going to cover that eight and a half point line and win this game by a couple of touchdowns. But if he's not. If he's clearly hampered or if it is Illingworth starting at Q for Oklahoma State, then, yeah, I think West Virginia has a chance to, uh, and I think they will cover that line and keep this one pretty close. And maybe they find a way to pull off an upset in Stillwater this weekend. Once again, I, I think I would still pick Oklahoma State to win this game regardless of who's playing QB for them. But if it's not Spencer Sanders or if he's not the same Spencer Sanders, maybe the Mountaineers have a chance to uh, to turn some heads 
And I don't think anybody expects them to be in that conversation, right? Who's the third best team in this league, considering they went four and eight last year and they did lose a lot of pieces on both sides of the ball. And it still feels like Neil Brown's a couple of years away from having West Virginia where he wants them to be. But if they do uh, win this game at Oklahoma State, then maybe, I don't know if they're a team that can uh, make it to Arlington at the end of the year, but maybe they're a team that you've got to respect and, and they could play spoiler uh, down the road and help dictate who gets to Arlington when this thing is all there's, set. There's a very real possibility that when we're back a week from now, we got another episode on Thursday for people that are new to this podcast, 10 a.m. right here on Twitch, join us. There's a real possibility in one week when we come for our Monday episode that we're saying, look, man, I mean, it. Oklahoma and Texas are clearly the top two teams and any other matchup in the Big 12 championship would be surprising at this point. That'd be really early after just two games being played by most teams just through uh, one weekend of the Big 12 slate. But seriously, if Oklahoma State loses to West Virginia, um, Iowa State loses to TCU, but neither looked that impressive. I, I think that the the response is like, man, it's OU in Texas, and that's just that's what it's going to be come December. I think a lot of people already feel that way. Now, I don't right. Just yet, right? I'm still in a little bit of wait-and-see mode, and let's see what these teams look like. Uh, with more time to prepare and some time to right their wrongs and, you know, obviously games that actually matter in terms of uh, the standings for Arlington. But there are definitely a lot of folks out there who are already at the point where if it's not Texas and Oklahoma in Arlington at the end of the year, then it would be a little bit of a surprise just based on how bad uh, all the other potential contenders looked in their opening non-conference game. Uh, but, man, yeah, I'm with you. This Saturday is going to uh, go a long way into, into telling us who's who's legit and – or, or if it's just two teams that are there. And I think one thing you always have to consider, like I would be shocked. I think anybody, despite how much Oklahoma lost and how many questions they had going into this year, and I don't think this is uh, me putting too much into them beating Missouri State 48 to nothing or 49 to nothing, whatever it was. But I think folks would be shocked if they didn't make it to Arlington this year. Like maybe they're not the one seed. Maybe yeah. it's Texas or Oklahoma State. Like going into the year, maybe it's one of those teams that finishes higher uh, than Oklahoma in these standings. But, you know, with Texas, one thing to look at is Tom Herman's slip-up ability, I think is the best way to describe it, right? Everybody knows how good a, of a coach Tom Herman is as an underdog, right? That goes back to his days at the University of Houston. But he's always had that slip-up game where he loses to teams that he shouldn't lose to. And that's been a problem with Texas going back to Charlie Strong, going back to the end of Mac Brown, like playing down to their level of competition and losing that game that they shouldn't lose. So even if Texas uh, looks really, really good this weekend against Texas Tech, you still have to keep that in the back of your mind. Like, oh, Texas always seems to have that game where they play down to their competition. And maybe if they do that once or twice this year, then that can open the door for an Oklahoma State, for an Iowa State, for a TCU to get to Jerry World at the end of the year. Uh, you can go ahead and take that comment that we got from Harrison and give your opinion on that one. Yeah, Harrison Adam 12. Do y'all see the West Virginia Oklahoma State game as a third place team game? Just the same view as TCU Iowa State. I think we just touched on that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I would still put more stock into the Iowa State TCU game in terms of both teams, right? I mean, I, I'm not ready to throw West Virginia in that conversation. Now, if they do go to Stillwater and win, especially if Spencer Sanders is able to play, then all right, maybe we got to give more respect and more love to the Mountaineers, and maybe you throw them in that category. But now, I, I, I would put more stock in into that TCU Iowa State game uh, if you're looking for two teams, right? Both teams in one game that could crash the Big 12 championship party 
But yeah, I, I think uh, we, we can learn a lot from all four of those teams that are listed on the screen right now. I uh, boy, I, I didn't like West Virginia a whole lot coming into this year. But much like there's a real scenario in a week's time where we say, eh, it's Oklahoma and Texas, and it'd be pretty shocking if that's not the Big 12 championship. Like if West Virginia beats OSU, and depending on what happens in the TCU-Iowa State game, we may have to come back a week from now, even though I necessarily wouldn't believe it, and say, West Virginia is the third best team in the conference, man. Uh, I mean, are we going to have to change the name of the show to In Defense of Oklahoma and Texas? Like, is that, is that, I mean, that's already the running joke, right? Uh, you know, even though Texas has been as bad as it's been, everybody knows the brand of the Longhorns uh, carries a lot of weight in this league. It's really been in defense of Oklahoma for the last few years, right? They've won this league five years in a row. Uh, but man, if we do come back on Monday and that situation happens, like you talked about, then. Yeah, it, it would feel like it'd be a huge upset if it's not the Horns and the Sooners in Jerry World in early December. KU and Baylor is our last game, 6.30 on ESPNU, primetime football. Let's go. Stadium in Waco. Let's go. Oh, night games for the Jayhawks, man. I know. I mean, that? they're just such in high demand. 9, 9 p.m. kickoff and a 6.30 kickoff. KU may not play an 11 a.m. game all year long. Uh, you know, maybe they need to play earlier. They look pretty asleep. Uh, against Coastal Carolina in the first half of that game. They were down 28-3 to at halftime against the Chanticleers. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what to expect from Baylor, right? We haven't seen them. They're one of two teams in this league that has yet to play. I was hoping to get, uh, get to watch them on Saturday to kind of see what they'd bring to the table. Obviously, the biggest story in this league last year was the Baylor Bears. I mean, the job Matt Rule did in his three years at Waco was unbelievable and pretty much unprecedented at this level of college football but just so much turnover for the Bears uh, with their coaching staff, also with their player personnel as well. I don't know what to expect from them, but I, I do think they are significantly better than Kansas. I think anybody in this league right now is significantly better than Kansas. So the line's at 16 right now. I, I saw that it opened at around 18 and a half. So for some reason, people are betting on the Jayhawks. I don't know why you would ever do that. Uh, but, uh, man, I feel like Baylor's going to probably – probably run away from this one in Waco on Saturday. Hey, the bright side is the conference can't embarrass themselves if they're playing conference-only games, <laughs> right? I guess. I mean, the only way this league can embarrass themselves or itself is if Oklahoma and Texas lose, right? Oh, uh, yeah, true. Because then you go transitive property, and you're like, well, Kansas State lost to Arkansas State. And if Oklahoma, who's supposed to be the class of this league, if they can't even beat Kansas State, then what, does that mean Arkansas State could give Oklahoma a game? Like, what, what do we do with that? And then, yeah, same thing with Texas, right? If they look bad or lose to Texas Tech uh, 14 days after Texas Tech nearly lost to FCS Houston Baptist, then, uh, yeah, this conference could still find a way to embarrass, its, embarrass itself even more, which seems hard to do after uh, the first two weeks of the college football season. Texas all the way to number eight, up to number eight in the AP poll. Oklahoma at three. I think Oklahoma State is at 15, I want to say. Maybe that's right. Um, boy, when's the last time Texas was ranked as high as eight? in the country uh, two years ago two years ago two years. Uh, i think going into the oklahoma state game they were six because it was after they beat oklahoma okay. and they had like a five five game winning streak going uh they were playing pretty well at that time now you know it turns out they weren't that good uh but they were in the top 10 a couple of years ago and it's weird so they they moved up like half a spot they're tied with auburn for eighth right now mm. they both had the same number of points so auburn hasn't played yet right the sec We'll open up this Saturday, and oh my God, this this is going to feel like the first legit Saturday of college football that we have. Hopefully, right? Hopefully, the COVID tests are all okay, and 
were able to get most of these games in. But you know, having the SEC play is big and having primarily conference games across college football, this is going to feel like the first big Saturday. But, yeah, Texas moves up despite not playing a game. And Oklahoma State does drop four spots, as you mentioned, despite winning their game. They did not look impressive against Tulsa, so it's hard to argue with uh, with the voters on that. Which, again, the landscape of college football could look totally different by the time we come back with you guys on Thursday because Pac-12 could all of a sudden opt in and, and start playing football. And what does that look like for the Big 12's playoff chances? They have not done themselves any favors up to this point, I assure you that. Yeah, it's a great point. That's a great point, right? And, and can the Pac-12 figure it out early enough to be a part of the college football playoff picture, right? I mean, it feels like they still have a lot of hoops to jump through, a lot of hurdles to jump over. Uh, they haven't made their announcement yet, and and they haven't been practicing. Like some Big Ten programs were practicing uh, just because, oh, they thought there was a chance that the season would start up at some point. The Pac-12, it's it's not like their decision. It's It's city rules. And it's county rules that have said, hey, you can't practice right now. You can't do these gatherings of more than 10 people. So they've got a lot of work to get get done uh, if they want to play this fall and also play early enough or at least start early enough to where they can uh, be a part of the Final Four. All right. Um, I'll let you have the last word, as always, before we get out of here. Again, we're right here on Twitch Thursday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time. Come and join us. We love all the comments, all the interaction. We thank you guys for uh, – really helping us grow the podcast because it seems like every episode we have, we're getting more and more interaction in the comment section. And I know that I speak for BK saying that, uh, that it's awesome, but anything on the Texas front or anywhere across the conference that we're looking for this week, I, I guess outside Spencer Sanders availability. No, no, we definitely appreciate the love. Uh, I am curious what the tortilla situation is going to be like in Lubbock this weekend, ah. right? Only 25% of the fans, but you know, are the tortillas going to take a hit? Are the, the Red Raider fans going to make sure we get enough of those on the field when Texas comes to town this Saturday? Hopefully we can get these games in, man. I mean, I know Baylor and TCU fans are are, are crushed that they haven't been able to watch their team, and I know they're anxious and, and on pins and needles right now to watch their teams play. Uh, tough test for, for TCU, obviously, having to open up against Iowa State. So hopefully those two teams can get their games in. Hopefully all 10 teams can get their conference openers in this weekend should be a lot of fun. And uh, Shana Tova, happy new year to all of the Jews out there, including myself, who celebrated over the weekend. So uh, give some love to the fellow members of the tribe out there, wishing a happy and healthy new year. And hopefully for everybody's sake, that it's uh, it's the Jewish new year that causes things to change in this world, Tyler. I think everyone's like 2021. You know, once we get to 2021, it'll be okay. No, it's year 5781 now for the Jews. Now, maybe maybe this is what we needed, a new Jewish New Year to help uh, turn the tide on COVID and all the rest of the crap that's been going on in this year. So hopefully uh, we can we can spark some change with that. I think you're on to something because it took 5,781 years to see the most amazing onside kick of all time yesterday <laughs> in Arlington, Texas. Let's go, baby. So How about I, that? That was it. That was pretty spectacular. What if we have a, a Big 12 championship game and Jerry World have something like that happen? Dude, I hope so. I mean, to go to go with the Jewish reference, that thing almost looked like a, a spinning dreidel from Greg Zerline <laughs> yesterday. That was uh, that was pretty spectacular. What a comeback for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday to avoid falling to 0-2, no doubt. All right. Well, he's Brad Keller in Austin. I'm Tyler McComas in Norman. We'll talk to you on Thursday. We are in defense of the Big 12. LandryFootball.com. Go check it out during the week. High school, college, NFL, free agency, 
injury report, and more. He's got you covered. We'll talk to you then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.